0: Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you thought about the quality of the air you breathe in your home or in your office? If it's been a while, we're here to change that. This is Indoor Air Quality IQ, a podcast from Renew Air, where our goal is to raise your IQ about IAQ. Hello and welcome to IAQIQ, Indoor Air Quality and You, a podcast from the experts at Renew Air. I'm Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the show. Today we're discussing ventilation solutions for every home with three experts. First we have Tim O'Brien, president of Tim O'Brien Homes. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: A uh, pleasure to be here, Tyler.
0: Excellent. We are thrilled to have you as well, uh, Tim, and, and excited to get your insights today. We also have John Soffer. He's the president of Soffer Associates. John, thank you for being here.
2: Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Tyler.
0: You got it. Absolutely. And last but not least, joining us once again is Nick Agopian. He is the vice president of sales and marketing at Renew Air. Nick, great to have you back on the podcast.
3: Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Well guys, let's dive right in. Tim, from your perspective, what's the purpose behind energy codes, especially as they relate to ventilation and indoor air quality?
1: Well, the the energy codes have been around for a while and they've gotten a lot more attention over the last couple of decades. Uh, but really what they're intended to do is reduce uh, the, the consumption in, in home construction, new homes and existing homes as well, especially if you're renovating or, or remodeling. Uh, but really reduce the the loads on the utility companies and obviously on the pocketbooks of the consumer as well, and those have been some of the great benefits that have come out of energy codes. as we continue to, as the energy codes continue to um, get more, I want to say, restrictive in a in a positive way, um, they create some some other issues for us that we as builders need to be aware of, and that is, uh, the indoor air quality and and proper ventilation, and um, there's there's always this kind of push and pull with you know when do you when is it that you're building a home too tight? Um, there really isn't uh, you know in in the building science world there really isn't uh, a condition where we say we build at homes too tight. We say build tight, ventilate right, and I think that's the key uh, to really focus on allowing mechanical ventilation, allowing a programmed system to provide ventilation and exhausting air uh, from a home, rather than allowing it to, uh, by the environment, to come in through walls, to come in through windows, to come in uh, through attics or foundations or basements. I mean, we create a whole nother problem when we rely on outside air to come in through all these various holes and cracks and seams that one may have in a home, because when it's moving through those, it's bringing other uh, particulates and things that we really don't want to come into the home. So like with an older home, if anyone has lived in an older home, maybe say even pre-1970s, I mean, when my first home I bought was built in the 1920s, and I mean, you could sit at the dining room table on a windy day, and and you know, wind is just moving through those windows and moving through the wall, and you got the candle on the table flickering every once in a while. The concept there is that we've got we've got no problem with indoor air quality, except for the fact that we've got all of this air that's coming in through found uh, through the insulation system through the walls again, and we want to control that through mechanical ventilation, and we've seen significant benefits by using products like Tyvek to provide this this wind wrap around the outside of our homes, really focusing on air sealant. Air sealant is the biggest contribution towards minimizing that air infiltration into the home and new home construction can provide a much more comfortable indoor environment because we don't have the drafts coming in, but we do need to be very much aware of the indoor air quality piece, make sure that we ventilate right. And in our Southern uh, Wisconsin, southeastern Wisconsin area here, we've also got to deal with radon. So, I mean, Nick, I mean, I know, you know, Renew Air has done a wonderful job kind of putting together some great products and systems to help support builders who are really moving towards, you know, building more energy efficient homes and making sure that we provide this continued comfort in, in,
3: a, in a good quality indoor air environment from our customers. Thank you for that, Tim. I'll I'll tag uh, something onto this uh, energy code uh, discussion. We have energy codes, and these energy codes are tightening for a reason. And people think it's because of power plants. And, And actually, power plants are not the problem. We can build a power plant fairly easily, whether it's coal or hydro or wind or nuclear, whatever the case may be. And, and that may be in the range of costing uh, the United States billions of dollars, but that is truly not the problem. The problem is the grid. The grid is where the problem lies. Where If, if power plants are going to cost us billions of dollars, the grid and changing the grid and updating the grid is going to cost us trillions of dollars. So using energy correctly to what Tim is alluding to is, is, is paramount. So we don't want to waste energy by having these these leaky homes and you have to what Tim called uncontrolled ventilation coming in Uh, because uncontrolled ventilation ultimately is bringing in, in the middle of winter, very, very cold air in the middle of summer, very hot and humid air. So we build it tight to what Tim was saying and we ventilate it right. But this uncontrolled ventilation back to whatever it was, the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s actually helped us we had codes in place that said we need to bring in whatever the number is for for ventilation purposes. But what we didn't realize is that the uncontrolled ventilation or those, those drafts that were coming in were actually ventilating the space. And that was increased ventilation. So now these codes where we're building it tight and ventilating it right becomes very critical because what we had as uncontrolled ventilation, lowered the IAQ problems uh, that were generated inside. We used to think that it was products of construction, but now clearly it's all about the activity that we have inside the homes. And the activity inside the homes generates gaseous problems, generates particulate problems, generates humidity problems, and all of that together is extrapolated even further. And now today with the times that we're in, and we'll call it the SARS or the COVID-19 times, we realize that we have uncontrolled situations that can penetrate by people walking in or out or people themselves being the issue. And we have to look at ventilation, not only because we want better indoor air quality or the fact that we want better health, but because of safety purposes. So at the end of the day, We've solved one problem, which was a very important problem to solve, and that's energy. And we may have opened up another problem, but luckily to what Tim was saying, that problem is easy to resolve. And that problem can be resolved through balanced ventilation. When we take a look at the codes in Europe, in the Middle East, and even our friends up north in Canada, energy recovery ventilation using balanced strategies is law. It's by code and whether you're a a small little one bedroom, 400 square foot condo or whether you're an hospital or an office building or a convention center, you require balanced ventilation, meaning you take one cubic foot of air that's contaminated with whatever it may be, the gases, the particulates, the viruses, throw it out and bring one cubic foot of clean, virus-free, fresh outdoor air and bring it in. And then at that point, we're able to dilute the contaminants within the space and, and then offer the indoor air quality that's needed for improved cognitive function, health, uh, better sleep, better productivity the next day after we sleep, and so on and so forth. Um, and, and there are other reasons why we use ventilation. I think, Tim, you use ventilation for other purposes besides just the general occupied space where people are at. Is that not correct?
1: Yeah, we do. We uh, we ventilate uh, with the we use an ERV, the Renew Air ERV, of course, uh, bathroom exhaust fans and such. But uh, we also have to take a look at um, again in our in our area here is the radon. So we also put in a, a standard active radon system into every one of our homes to again mitigate. Those contaminants, those uh, things that come into the home that we we do not desire to have into the home, especially as we build homes so much more tighter today, uh, we don't have that uncontrolled uh, air infiltration into the home. So we have to control some methodology, use some methodology to make sure that we get the exhausted air out. And if we can just bypass the things like radon in the home, uh, take that directly out without ever even entering the space, definitely much more preferred.
0: So let me I- introduce an example, if, if you don't mind, and it might sound um, slightly self-serving, but uh, so I, I live in Dallas, Texas. I live in a home that was built in the early 50s, and it doesn't often get terribly cold here, except for a couple of weeks ago in Dallas, we experienced temperatures in and around you know zero degrees and that sort of thing, and I found that even though I would have the heater running in certain spots of the home, I would feel warm where you could feel that, that warm air. But in other parts of the home, it was absolutely freezing. So is that a ventilation and um, a, a an envelope issue that I'm experiencing in, a, in an older home, kind of like what you're discussing, Tim?
1: Yeah, I, I would, I, without knowing, you know, exactly your, your home, your construction methodology and the methods that were used – but I would say, Tyler, that, that certainly sounds like it. Um, you know, the, if you build the home right and you really focus on controlling that uh, air infiltration into the home, seal it up tight, and then you do what we call a, a manual J calculation, which is a calculation that makes sure that the air that's uh, distributed to each room in the home is proper amount uh, for the condition or the orientation that the home may have number of windows in that particular room, uh, its orientation to north, south, east, west, to make sure that understanding each room may have different load demands. When you look at it just as a, a one giant shell of a home, uh, you don't take into consideration the individual room requirements. So, yeah, Tyler, what it sounds like happened with your particular situation is a situation that may not have given design criteria or metrics to uh, the specific room orientation on your home, the volume that's there, how much sun it gets or lack of sun, that would probably be a condition that is a combination of the HVAC system design and uh, uncontrolled ventilation.
3: You know, I'd like to add something to that, uh, which is really um, an interesting piece of research that I uh, that I read. By building it tight uh, to what Tim is alluding to and, and using a proper... HVAC system to, to, to offer the type of environment that's needed that once again is controlled and that word is paramount controlled. The research showed that when you have these drafts and you have improper control of temperature, if the temperature or or yeah, the temperature around your toes is three degrees different than the temperature around your nose, then your body is experiencing a conflict. And your brain is trying to rationalize that and understand that, which diverts your cognitive thinking and to, to something where you're losing concentration. So the environment that you have inside your home, it will determine the level of comfort when you're either just sitting or eating or walking or playing with your kids and so on and so forth. So controlling your environment is is above the, the safety and the health, but also comfort and how... You perceive the environment that you're in yeah that's that's so important nick is not just the uh the
1: energy efficiency side of it but it's really you got to look at the comfort you can you can really have an energy efficient home that's uncomfortable
0: that's a great point and i think an interesting one to, to bring up for sure and so i've let john uh sit on the sidelines for far too long for this podcast so let me bring john back into the conversation and just ask you know I think if I think a lot of people are probably in the same boat that I am, where you've been spending more time inside over the last year than, than maybe any other year uh, in, in our lives, right? So can we compare different ventilation methodologies for the homesteading? Uh, just compare and contrast those different methodologies for us.
2: Yeah, great. Thanks, Tyler. Um, yeah, there, there are multiple ways or a few different ways in which people and builders try to and want to ventilate a home. You know, we, we're all familiar with our bath fans, right? And all homes have bath fans. Sometimes I make a little comment about that. It, it's that thing in the ceiling in the bathroom that makes a lot of noise, but it really doesn't move a lot of air, mm. and or, or I should say, many times it doesn't move a lot of air. That that type of system is what we would call an exhaust only system, or an exhaust only it would be a bath fan. And typically, what that's doing is that is exactly what I just said. It's exhaust, meaning we are trying to get rid of some air from the space. Maybe we can do an effective job in a bathroom. Maybe we're doing an effective job exhausting over a kitchen range, but we really have no way to control on how much fresh air we're bringing into the space when we're doing an exhaust only or relying on bath fans. So we've been talking about the building performance of these houses and uh, building an extremely efficient, a very tight home. You know, Tim mentioned earlier the, the candle and if that flickers when the wind blew I, I I use an analogy, the house I grew up in when I was a kid, when the wind blew, the curtain shook, right? Because that house leaked. So when that exhaust fan was exhausting, you had natural ventilation leaking through the home. But that's just not happening in today's construction. And for good reason. Uh, you know, we don't want to have to bring in, you know, you talked about zero degrees in Dallas. You know, here in Minneapolis, we were minus 25 you know, a week and a half ago.
0: I want no part of that, John.
2: Yeah, right, (laughs) right. And so we don't want to be bringing in minus 25 degree air and having our furnace having to condition that or vice versa, summertime, 90 degree air with a lot of humidity. And so that's what an exhaust system does or bath fans does. It, It relies on one fan
3: exhausting our pollutants to the outside.
0: Nick, Tim, anything you want to say to build on uh, on John's comments there?
3: Yes, I'd like to say something. Um, we, we had standards that were developed to what John was alluding to that said install a bath fan and if you're removing air from the building or the structure, I should say, you're going to have to make it up. And it's, it's partly true. You do. If you take one cubic foot of air out of the space, it has to come in somehow or another or else you know it'll implode which obviously it would never because a a building is a lot stronger than an exhaust fan. However, it does come in. And um, John touched on the fact that it comes in from the immediate area of the bathroom, but where the people are living and sleeping and studying and, and doing their activities is outside of the bathroom, at least most of the time. But when you're exhausting only and you're bringing air from the, surrounding area of the bathroom, you don't necessarily ventilate where these contaminants are coming in, especially today when we're using a lot more ammonias and chlorines to sanitize the surface areas that we have in our home, that just keeps building and building in, let's say a living room area. Uh, And I know this is going to be very difficult to, to visualize, but if you took your finger and you put it very close to your lips without touching your lips, and you were to breathe in through your mouth, so you're sucking the air through your mouth, and you would do that, you would not feel the air over your finger. It would come from all around your lips, but not necessarily feeling the air over your finger. Now, if you change that and blow the air out of your lips, you'll definitely feel the air over your finger. And that's what we call like a push-pull type of strategy, and that's what balanced ventilation is all about. And what you do is you supply the air into the areas that you are at, like the living room, the kitchen, the bedrooms, and you allow the air to travel through those spaces into corridors and ultimately into, let's say, bathrooms where you're exhausting from. So at that point, balanced ventilation becomes a lot more effective in controlling the steady state concentration of these contaminants or impurities or whatever they may be that you're trying to lower within your space. And uh, sitting on standards committees that codes adopt, the inclination and the direction of these standards committees, which has been energized because of the COVID situation that we have globally, is to now start writing standards that codes are going to adopt that use balanced ventilation strategies in this push-pull effect.
1: You know, I I agree with you, Nick, on that. I mean, the, the the exhaust only strategy really just isolates it right to that space, just like you mentioned. Um, you know, we do have a, a code here um, in the state of Wisconsin that requires us to have a makeup air, uh, and and so even in a in a in an exhaust only type format, that what that makeup air is doing is it's reacting to the pull of the fan, and and so it brings in quote unquote fresh air from the outside, but it's bringing in Air that's not tempered. It's, it's bringing in air that's not filtered and it's dumping it right into the uh, cold air return of the, of the HVAC system. And so, you know, it's important to really look at the house as a kind of a fresh air, having a fresh air system, which to your point before, um, John and Nick, was the balanced ventilation piece. And as I mentioned before, you know, we're using the Renew's ERV, the energy recovery ventilator piece of equipment and that actually tempers the air going both in and out so we we don't lose uh, the energy that we've already generated in the home and we, and we don't uh, bring in severe cold air or severe warm air that doesn't get tempered down before it drops into the HVAC system. But when you look at it from a balanced point of view, that's really when, in my opinion, you really have to look at bringing in an energy, third-party energy radar tester into into your home. And we, we do a blower door test and a complete ventilation test on every one of the homes that we build. We really like the science behind it. We like the data behind it. It's helped us improve. And we also have found situations uh, in doing that where we have bath fans that sound like they're working just fine. Um, you would not even notice that it's not drawing air, but then you take a mechanical a, a hood that measures the volume of air that's being Pulled through that fan, and you'll see that this fan that's designed for 100 cubic feet per minute, say, is only pulling 20 cubic feet per minute. And it just so happens that somebody accidentally uh, either uh, stepped on maybe the ventilation uh, exhaust pipe in the attic, or maybe on the outside of the home where the where the hood vent is uh, is somehow trapped or blocked shut for whatever reason. There's a multitude of reasons why you know a fan like that might not perform and. Doing that test on and every single bath fan, exhaust fan in the home assures that you've got the proper exhaust and pull that's coming through those fans. But you still have to have that balanced approach, and we take a look at again all of the fresh air systems in the home, the distribution to eat, the distribution of conditioned air uh, to each room, and then. The high capture filtration component of that exhausted air coming out of that home, going back through the furnace through a, at least a MERV 11 filter, to be to get capture those some of those other particulates that Nick was talking about, and then recondition that air and send it back to the to the proper spots. But really, having that third party performance test, whether you're doing a remodel uh, or or a new build, uh, in my opinion, is is critical because you can catch. So many things that you're not going to be able to catch just through a visual inspection or, you know, trying to use your hearing to see if that fan is working. Uh, It's really a science-based approach. And as we continue to build these high-performance homes, as we continue to build homes that are tighter, uh, you know, air exchange Dropping, you know, from the code minimum of six air changes, air exchanges per hour to, you know, one one and a half air changes per hour. You you really got to take a look to make sure you've got that balanced ventilation and your exhaust fans truly are operating uh, at the capacity they need to be. Yeah, Tim, and just to add to that, and you're you're exactly
2: right. You know, we're talking. Use the word science, and we have facts and numbers when you're doing this testing to show that that house how tight that house is and 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 when doing that it just shows that that uh those bath fans or that exhaust only system just really struggles to provide any reasonable amount of fresh air to the space or effective amount of fresh air to the space so tim o'brien holmes does a great job with that with 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 testing and and providing third-party performance it's not just we we wrap the the house in tyvek and we've got good insulation and build a tight house that's yeah it's there's so much there's so much it's not saying trust us. Right. It's not saying trust us exactly right. And so that's just so important and and uh and, and we have the numbers to do that. So you know another way to do it is and you heard Nick and Tim too have both um, brought up the term balanced ventilation. So you know what is balanced ventilation? Basically what balanced ventilation is is we have a fan that is introducing fresh air to the home, to the building, and we have another fan that is exhausting the stale air, the contaminants from the space. So we have two separate independent fans that do that. And there's a number of ways to do that. However, some of the simplest ways or most energy efficient ways are to use an ERV or an HRV in the home. And those Tim said it earlier, you know, we talk about these HRV, ERV. What is that? Well, really, what it is, it's the fresh air system for the house or sometimes I say it's the lungs of the house. This is what allows the house to breathe. And again, as we're building these tight homes, the house needs to breathe. Um, So we can do that with an HRV or an ERV. Both of those would have a fan bringing fresh air in, have a separate exhaust fan that's exhausting the the stale air, the contaminants, et cetera. Some of the differences is, so what's the difference between an ERV and HRV? And, and not to get into the weeds on what the differences are. Again, both, both are balanced ventilation. But something that people can relate to maybe. It's, you know, years ago, if I put a rubber raincoat on and I stood out in the rain, I'd stay dry. But as soon as I got active, if I'm splitting wood or I'm playing golf or whatever in that rubber suit, I would start to sweat and condense inside that rubber coat. Well, that's kind of how an HRV works. You can transfer some temperature through it, but it doesn't transfer, it doesn't do anything with the humidity or the moisture. So you sweat. That's why HRVs have a condensate hose that, that run water out the bottom. On, on the flip side, if you look at an ERV, you know what's an ERV? What does an ERV do? Think of a Gore-Tex raincoat, high-tech fabrics. Those fabrics allow that both heat and humidity, so temperature and water vapor to pass through it. So that's kind of the difference between the two. It's They're very similar. It's the material that's used in the heat exchanger itself that, that differentiates the two. So HRV, Rubber raincoat, ERV, Gore-Tex fabric allows you to pass uh, both heat and humidity. And I guess I just finished with saying. So why is there an advantage with transferring any humidity? Summertime, we're air conditioning the house up here in Minneapolis when it's ninety degrees and high humid days, and, and we have those days both the third, fourth, and fifth of July.
3: <laughs>
2: that, that's that's supposed to be funny, right? <laughs> so I laugh as we as as our air conditioner is running. A big part of that is dehumidification and trying to dehumidify, but on those hot, humid days, as we're ventilating, we don't want to bring all that humid air back into the space. So an ERV will do a much better job of rejecting that humidity, not delivering it to the house, flip it around the wintertime. Same thing, an ERV will, do, will get rid of the rainy window, but do a much better job of not over drying you know, my wood floors aren't going to start splitting. I'm not going to have as much static electricity in the space if I operate an ERV versus an HRV. But again, both are balanced, both are effective ways to exceed our current codes for ventilation.
0: And Nick, one of the things that you've pointed out on the podcast before is that is that codes are, are you know, they, they exist, but but codes are the minimum, right? That That's the bare minimum. And it, it's always good to exceed code, right?
3: Absolutely. We know today that a lot of these standards committees, like with ASHRAE, which which sets the ventilation standards are looking at higher performing structures, higher performing homes. You've got an energy star home today. Uh, You have passive house type regulations, which are all standards that exceed the minimum requirements. Nothing says that you, you can't go higher. Nothing says you can't put more insulation. Nothing says that you can't increase the amount of outdoor air within your space. Because at the end of the day, the more outdoor air you bring in, the faster you are able to dilute the indoor generated contaminants, the healthier occupants will be inside their homes. In addition, the lower we can bring things that we thought weren't contaminants like carbon dioxide, a bioeffluent from the, from the human body, the lower we can bring that down, the better it is for us as adults and much better for children, because we know that cognitive function increases as we lower CO2 concentration. We know that sleeping is better when you're at lower concentration of CO2. We also know based on research that your performance the day after is better when you sleep in lower concentrations of CO2. We touched on particulates. And particulates, we just said, oh, what's a particulate? It's a dust, okay, so you dust. But there's a little bit more to that. There's a particle size called PM2.5, which is 2.5 micron, and even PM1, which is one micron. And um, if the sun happens to be coming in at the right angle, uh, you're able to see that stuff floating in the air. We know that that moves through tissue As we breathe it in, it moves through tissue and ends up in our bloodstream. And when it ends up in our bloodstream, it reacts in our bloodstream like triglycerides, and it's a promoter to heart attacks and strokes. So when we're ventilating, and we know that ventilation will help in improving indoor air quality, health, and safety, of course, more ventilation is better. And something that I've seen in commercial applications is using 100% outdoor air like they do in surgical suites meaning that they do not want to recirculate any of the air. Now, while that is going to be difficult for homes, I'm just saying you can get right to the point where you are not recirculating any of the air. And at that point, you're offering the indoor environment similar to what you have outdoors. It's the kind of thing when you go camping. You know, you go camping for the weekend, you come back, you feel like, oh, it's been amazing. I slept better. I feel better. I put the physiological operation of my human body just... Feels better and works better. And that's because you are exposed to less of these contaminants than we have before. Um, It's almost like uh, boiling a frog. You know, we don't realize what's happening to the frog as it's being boiled until it dies. The same thing is happening to our bodies. We have our bodies are amazing, it will adapt to everything that we throw at it, but it doesn't mean it's going to perform at its peak. So, yes, nothing says that you can't increase the amount of outdoor air. Nothing stops you from going a little higher, mm-hmm. but of course we have the limitation of the code that says you can't go any lower than that.
0: See, I always thought I felt better after camping because I, you know, I could see the stars or something like that. But now I'm actually armed with some some real facts that uh, that it, that it really is just being outdoors and, and and you know breathing outdoor air and things like that is is genuinely healthier for people. And I think that that's I think that that's good to know, especially as we look at you know, the, the indoor air quality of our homes, of our buildings. Um, just being armed with that knowledge, I think makes a big difference. Absolutely. So Tim, John and Nick, as we come to the end of our conversation today, uh, it's been a fascinating conversation. And I thank all three of you for for joining us and for for sharing your insights. Do we have any final thoughts, any, any closing things that you want to make sure that people know uh, or hear from you here on this episode of the podcast? Uh, John, let me kick it to you first. Any Any closing thoughts here as we begin to wrap up this episode?
2: I'm going to steal Tim's thunder. I, I, I love his <laughs> build it tight and ventilate right. I mean, that to me kind of captions what we've been talking about today. Build an energy efficient home, but provide good, reliable ventilation to the space is, is so important.
1: So I, I, that's what I'd say.
0: Tim, you want to follow up? Uh, John's going to steal your catchphrase, but, uh, but it's a good one. It's a good one.
1: That's fine. Uh... I know nobody mentioned uh, yet that uh, building code is what we also call barely legal, uh, building two code. So, you know, we want to continue to advance and get better at what we do. And I think when you look at uh, an energy efficient home, people sometimes gravitate directly to products like windows, or I got to put more insulation in the wall. Uh, Those are all pieces that you can do after you focus on air sealing. Air sealing is your most cost effective uh, methodology for building an energy efficient home. You you have to start with air sealing. If you spend all this extra money on, you know, the best windows you can get and increased wall thickness of insulation and you don't focus on air sealing, you're 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 effectively reducing the return on your investment in, in all of those uh, it, more expensive products. Air sealing is your biggest bang for your dollar. And that's what we continue to focus on. And then we augment it with, um, you know, great products and great systems that help support that. But really, air sealing is really your first uh, first thing to look at.
0: Some great advice there uh, for Tim as we wrap up. Uh, Nick, carry us home. Uh, any final thoughts here on this uh, on this episode?
3: Today in this COVID world, all cognizant authorities recommend ventilation. They say ventilation could be opening doors, opening windows. Of course, we can't do that in Miami in the middle of the summer, and we can't do that in Minneapolis in the middle of winter. So we have to look at controlled ventilation. We know that ventilation is the only sustainable solution to providing optimal indoor air quality. And I would end it by saying the solution to pollution is dilution. But in order to offer that dilution above code and rationalize it is through energy recovery. If you've brought in that outdoor air and you've heated it in the winter or you've cooled it in the summer, you've spent money and energy. Recapture that money and energy using an energy recovery ventilator. And that will provide you the optimal solution for a healthier life, not only for you, but for your children as well.
0: Fantastic stuff from our three experts here on the show today, Tim O'Brien, John Soffer, and Nick Agopian. Guys, thank you so much for joining us here on the show and, uh, and providing your insights and expertise.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Tyler. Thank you
0: absolutely and everyone thank you for tuning into this episode of iaq iq indoor air quality and you a podcast from the experts at renew air make sure to visit renew air's website as well for more information and stay tuned for upcoming episodes of course we're constantly coming out with new podcast episodes with thought leadership like what you just heard on the podcast today so if you're not already subscribed on apple podcasts or spotify wherever you get your podcasts these days make sure to go subscribe to stay up to date with the latest from renew air and stay tuned because we'll be back soon with those next coming episodes. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.